morning. You thought you got rid of me, didn't you? <laughs> After World War II, there was a submarine that came back to port in um, Newport News, Virginia. Had been out all throughout the war, unscathed by the, the ravages of war. Comes back into the harbor, the safe harbor, and sinks. Loaded with sailors. The Coast Guard lets loose a bunch of divers to try to assess the damage and to find out what they need to do to save as many lives as possible. And while one of the divers is swimming around the, the hull of the sub, he hears Morse code being tapped from the inside of a sailor that's simply asking the question, is there hope? Is there hope? Is there hope? That question, is there hope, is on the minds and the hearts and the lips of countless thousands of people as we have gone through some pretty crazy years with the pandemic, political unrest, war, some of our, our sacred things dissolving in front of us. Is there hope? And maybe you're here today and that, <clears throat> that's coming from your, your voice. Maybe because of the economy, you've lost a job. Maybe a relationship's broken up or having trouble with your children or grandchildren. Maybe you've heard a doctor's report. Maybe you gathered around the graveside of a loved one. And those words, is there hope, is on your mind. You come here today with that. Is there hope? You may have heard that story of the sub before because... I told it um, the beginning of August when I had the opportunity to join in with the interim teaching here in the transition time. And we went through a whole series all fall of addressing hope and is there hope. Hope's a pretty important thing. Rick Warren, I think it is, that said, you know, you can live weeks without food. You can live days without water. You can live minutes without air. But you can't live another moment without hope. Hope. I don't know if you've come to this realization or not, but life is not necessarily easy. It's a pretty broken world that we live in. Life is unpredictable. In fact, it can change in a heartbeat. It can turn on a dime. You could be going along with all your preparation and planning and predictions and even prayers, and in no time flat, it all turns around and goes south on you. And you're at a place where you're asking, is there hope? I know that to be true because I've experienced that in my own life. And today I'd like to share a little bit of my personal story and I think it will lay out some tools for us that you maybe grab onto as well in this whole arena of hope. My, my first injury with a back was when I was in high school playing football. Since that time I had countless doctors look at my, my back, I've had surgery, 
I've had um, all kinds of medication, therapy, exercises, and the symptoms would come and go and sometimes be good and great, other times not so good and great, but about 10 years ago now, a little over 10 years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I hit the floor with my back just completely given out on me and unbelievable pain, excruciating pain. It took me a couple hours to be able to get back into bed. There I stayed for about a day and a half trying to recover from this thing and finally my, my wife said, you know, Don, we probably need to get you to the emergency room. She actually had been saying that for a day and a half, but finally I said, okay. <laughs> and so off we went. We were living up in the Northwest. We crossed the river from Vancouver, Washington into Portland, Oregon. Went to the hospital and hanging on to the shoulder of my wife with one arm and a nurse that came out to greet me in the, in the parking lot. They carried me into the emergency room and laid me down on the emergency bed and started doing all their diagnostic tests and and um, at the same time starting to give me something for the pain and some IVs that eventually went all the way up to morphine before it cut the pain. And there was enough relief that they, after a few hours, they got me back up and they said, okay, in the morning, go see your doctor, make an appointment and, and get that taken care of. We think we've done everything we can do for you. And um, they stood me up to put me into a wheelchair to wheel me out to the parking lot. And as soon as my body hit the wheelchair, I could feel the shadow of numbness going from my, my waist all the way to the back of my legs, down to my, my thighs and my knees and, and beyond. And as they were taking me down the hallway, I'm, I'm telling the guy, hey, I think something's wrong here. And he, he's, his job is to get me to the parking lot. And by then, it's, it's numb below my knees and my ankles and my feet. And by the time I get to the parking lot, he wants to try to get me into the car that Lori had brought around to pick me up. And there's no way I can get up. And by now I'm yelling at him, there's something wrong. Get me back in there. There's something wrong. And so he turns me around and sends me back to the same room. And by now the nurses and the doctors are, are rushing to me and they, they start poking and probing. And I can hardly remember what was going on. I'm half out of it with morphine. I've got numbness. I've got excruciating pain in my knee. And Lori said they did things to me that I, I don't even remember. Finally, they just said, hey, we're going to give you an MRI. That evening, they looked at it and said, uh, your disc went into the spinal column. It's done some pretty severe damage. We're keeping you through the night. The next morning in the afternoon, they, had, they gave me surgery and took the disc out. And I remember waking up from, from the anesthesia in, in my room, and I looked around. I saw my wife, Lori, and I saw one of the associate pastors from our church, and the doctor came in about that time with a report and said, hey, surgery went really well. But we really don't know if Don will ever walk again. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still, I'm dreaming this. This is a nightmare. I didn't, I didn't hear this. And they talk and you can hear them talking for a while and I'm kind of going in and out. Finally, when the doctor's gone, I'm at, they come up to my bed. I said, did I hear that right? that I may never walk again. And they, their mouth is wide open as mine. And they said, yeah, we're every bit as surprised. The next few days were, uh, were horrible, laying in bed. Finally, they tried to get me up second or third day and onto a, 
some bars to hang on to and, and trying to stand up and just shaking and sweating and the chills and, and no strength from my waist down, unable to feel anything. And I finally flopped back down on the bed and, and I said, well, we're going to have to put you some, through some pretty severe therapy, get you through this. So they, they decided they're going to send me to Rio, which is not a place in Brazil, by the chance. It's the Rehabilitation Institute of Oregon, which is a wonderful place. They ambulanced me there. Um, got me all situated, and they started to give me a tour of, of Rio. And they took me to the place, here's where you have physical therapy, here's where you're going to have occupational therapy, here's where, where you eat, if you can make it in... in they took me to some parallel bars and they wheeled me up to the, they said, okay, stand up. And they helped me up and hands on each of the, of the parallel bars. And they said, oh, okay, walk. I said, walk, walk. And I don't know, it seemed like 20, 30 minutes before I took one step hanging on those bars and another step and I'm sweating and I'm crying and I got, I got three steps in and I'm completely spent and they start clapping yeah you walked you walked got me back in the wheelchair took me to my room helped me transfer from the wheelchair to my bed they're still going good job you walked and I'm laying there thinking I hike mountains for fun I'll walk five six seven miles at once in a day. I golf. Sometimes I even carry my own bag. Not because I'm so athletic, I'm just cheap. <laughs> I, I don't know what you call that in there, like walking, but that's not what I'm used to with walking. That is not walking. And they said, well, you, you've got a thing called cauda equina syndrome. The disc went into your spinal column and has done nerve damage. We're going to try and help you walk again, but there's no guarantee. We're just going to try to get you to be able to care for yourself and independent enough to transfer from a, a bed to a wheelchair into a chair. That's the best you got. I was devastated. Completely devastated. I'm a pastor, so people are trying to cheer me up in the church. They send me cards, which is nice. Chocolate, which is nice. Every now and again, I, I got a little book. I got a book by Johnny Erickson Tata. I got a book by Nick, um, the, the guy with no arms and no legs. And I'm thinking, that doesn't cheer me up. God bless both of them. They have a wonderful, I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want, and then they have scriptures. Hey, we've got this scripture for you. You know, I know the plans for you, to not, to, you know, not to hurt you, to harm you, but to prosper you in the future and a hope. But I'm going, yeah, I haven't heard that before. I'm a <laughs> pastor. Romans 8, 28, all things work to good for you. <sighs> you know who you're talking to? I know that stuff. And it's not helping. Finally, I decided I, I got to do something a little bit better. So I, 
I started reading the eighth chapter of Romans, getting to that 28th verse. And I mean to tell you, that eighth chapter was just like, it was like food to my soul. It was like a, a balm that just came to me. And it just, it felt, I just felt God, God using those words to bolster me and, and to keep me and to hold me. And, and, uh, and I, it was so good that I decided, I'm going to read all of Romans. I started the first chapter and I, I came to the, to the fifth chapter of Romans, verses three through five. And it was like, it was like lights flashing. It was like, boom, this is it. This is for you. And, and this has become my life verse, basically, for the last decade. And a mantra for me to live by. And I share it with you. Maybe it will be helpful to you today as well. Romans 5, starting verse 3, it says, We also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Suffering produces perseverance, leads to character, leads to hope. And hope does not disappoint. I'm laying there and I'm reading that I'm going, I know I need hope. I need something that's not going to disappoint. I could go one of two ways here. I could easily become angry, angrier, bitter, discouraged, in despair, wanting to give up. I could easily, but the path like that goes nowhere. It's just a path of disappointment. But hope, and it, the promise is it, it will not disappoint so no matter what's going out there, something inside of me can change and be up bolstered and, and built up. And get, If there's something with me that can, that can grow in a time of something like this, I want that. I want to live that way. And I decided I'm going to hang on to this scripture. I'm going to hold on to this scripture. I'm not going to let go of this scripture. And I continue to keep on to it that hope will not disappoint. The thing is, back in those days, I didn't really know much about hope. I mean, you sing about it in church, you hear messages. I preached messages on hope, but I, I didn't know it at this level. I thought hope was something that, you know, you pray for and God just kind of flutters it down from heaven, kind of like fairy dust. You know, so you wake up in the morning and drink a cup of coffee and say, a little bit of hope, please. And, -doo -doo -doo, and, you, and you, hey, I got hope. And everyone looks at you and goes, what a positive attitude you have. You have hope. We have hope with you. And everybody goes around, hope, you know, and it lasts the whole day. And you wake up the next day and a cup of coffee and more hope. And <laughs> The problem is after about the second day, that quits. There's no, there's, no, there's no fairy dust that comes. There's no hope dust that comes. And my natural inclination is not just to be positive. And there's something that happens to you. When you suddenly are at the point in your life when you think quite possibly the condition of your body will not get any better this side of heaven, it changes your life. And when it happens suddenly, it can destroy you because it affects not only you physically, it affects you emotionally. 
and it chips away at your soul till your soul becomes so thin that your spirit, your psyche, your inner person is in jeopardy. But as I read the scripture, I found out there's a path to this kind of hope that will not disappoint. It's a path I would never choose. I, sure, I surely would never choose it for you, nor for myself. But it's a path to a hope that does not disappoint. Here it is. Suffering produces perseverance, leads to character, leads to hope that will not disappoint. Well, I have the suffering down. Check. The amazing thing to me is we, we know suffering is a part of this earth. We know it. We know it's part of life. But when it happens to us, we're surprised. What? Me? Suffer? Someone else? That's for me? Suffering, though, that's from the, from the time Adam and Eve fell in the garden, suffering has been inherent in this world and in this life. And until the Lord comes back again and redeems everything and reconciles everything unto him, it will still be here. And even though we're Christians, we're not immune from it. In fact, Jesus and Paul says, you'll probably get a little extra just for being a believer. And Paul, as he wrote these words, he knew what suffering was all about. He was shipwrecked, he was bitten by a snake, he was stoned and left for dead, he was thrown in prison on more than one occasion, he sometimes had to jump over a wall to get away from a raging mob and crowd. He knew what suffering was about. He had a, he had a flesh uh, um, wound of some kind in his eye or in his body or whatever, a thorn in the flesh, that he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and God said, I'll tell you what, you're gonna live with it. My grace is sufficient in this, but you're gonna carry it to your grave. He knew what it was about. We all know what suffering is. It may not be like physical like I experienced, but it might be financial, it might be a job loss, it might be, it might be something that, that's going on at home or in your marriage, it might be that you, you're, you're longing to have a child and can't, or you're, you're, you're single or single again and you don't like that situation. It, I mean, we, suffering comes in so many different ways. Sometimes we're just, we're just born with it. Circumstances and happenstances that come and we have to deal with it from all our life. Sometimes it's an accident. You're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and boom. And you're living the rest of your life with the result of that accident. Sometimes it's the choices we make. We just make wrong choices and there's results of those wrong choices. Sometimes it's an evil person that's actually hurt us, abused us, robbed us, and we go through that. But we all, somewhere along the line, face suffering. I'm, I'm there checking that off, suffering. So now, what am I going to do with it? I want to go down this path that leads me to hope. I don't want to go down a disappointing path. I want to go down the path that leads me to non-disappointment of hope. So there's two things, God, two things. I'll either go down this path or I have a better suggestion, God, just in case you're wondering what's on my heart. Heal me like that, would you? That's all. Just for you, it's nothing. 
God, you've done it all the time. You do it through the New Testament. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've known others just, just like that, God. Would you do that? And I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I had others pray and pray. I had pastors pray. I had churches, whole churches praying. There was a woman's group who knitted me a shawl to wrap myself up and pray. We prayed and prayed. Pastors would come and anoint me with oil. I've been anointed more times than, than Jiffy Lube. I've, I've got, <laughs> I, had, I had one pastor that took a, the whole bottle and poured it on me. It just, oh, and I had to change my shirt when it was all done. I've, I've done all that. And I believe in the depths of my heart, God can heal. He could heal me still. He could heal me before the day's up. He could heal me before I'm done talking, which is probably about the time the day's up. But he, he could heal me. I know that. But for some reason, he's chosen not to yet. That healing will come, but not yet. I mean, one of the things in the eighth chapter that held me so tight is that the little scripture says, you know, our present sufferings, nothing Nothing compared to the glory that we're going to experience. But if he doesn't heal me until then, it's perseverance. It's the path of perseverance. The path of perseverance, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, the path of perseverance doesn't get accomplished in one afternoon or one day. It's not like, okay, I persevered, check that, let's go on to the next one. What's his character thing? Perseverance is day after day after day after day, month, year, decade sometimes, lifetime. Persevere, persevere, keep at it, keep working, keep, don't stop, don't quit, don't give up. One person said, perseverance is the hard work you do after you're tired of doing the hard work. That's so true. Perseverance. Once a week when I was in Rio, they would have a, a family meeting with whatever family members, the doctors, the nurses, the therapists, the insurance representative, and they would go over my charts and they would tell me what I did, what I accomplished, what I didn't do, what they're still wanting to do, and on and on. A couple weeks into that, the doctor looked at me and said, Don, I want you to know you have a thing called cauda equina syndrome. The spinal cord comes down, it's round, and then it gives up into like this horsetail, which is the equina part. And the disc went in there, caused nerve damage. And, and um, you just got to know that, that it's a long, long process that, you're, that you have ahead of yourself. He said, usually, if, if the spinal cord injury is up high, the higher up it is, it, if, it, if it goes, if it's going to restore itself, if it's going to be healed again, it, it's a quick U and it'll go back up. So... It's a steep and quick graph. The lower on your back that it goes, it goes, and then he just said, it, 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 it goes like that. That's, that's the healing process. And I said, so is that like, is there like an inclination going on with that? Is it going, and I, oh, is it like, you know, I'm trying, and he just looks at me. He doesn't say a word, just looks at me. He says, you got to know this. People that go through what you're going through, many of them, maybe even a majority of them, just give up. They just quit. They decide they're just going to stay put 
where they're at. Because you will never work so hard in your life for such little results. Never. I said, well, I planted a church. It's worse than that. You will never work so hard. He says, it's like if there's a concrete wall and you are pushed against that wall with all your might all day long till the very strength is sapped from you and that wall has not moved a bit. That's what your day is going to be like every day. For the first three to six months, your nerves will not even wake up nor start to regenerate. You have three months of that. Six months maybe. When they start to wake up, they wake up slowly. Their nerves. And you don't measure growth by inches with nerves. You measure them by millimeters. You're not going to measure your growth by days. You're going to measure your, your progress by weeks, more than likely months. After six months, you have about a year and a half of your nerves still regenerating and waking up. And then after that 24-month period, who knows? It's nerves. We don't know about the nerves. We don't know what's going to do. I can't promise you anything. But you've got that 24-month thing to keep pushing against the wall. Repetition, 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 repetition. It's your choice. I made a vow before him, before God, for myself. I am going to persevere. I am not going to get 24 months down the road and say, it would have been better, but you didn't do enough. In fact, I'm not committing myself to uh, progress. I'm committing myself to perseverance. I'm going to wake up every morning, job one is to persevere. I'm going to do the exercises they told me to do. I'm going to do the repetitions. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to work as hard as I can work to do everything I need to do. If they tell me to do five, I'll do 10. If they tell me to do 10, I'll do 20. If they tell me to do it once, I'll do it twice. If they tell me to do it twice, I'll do it three times. I will work and work and work and I will persevere. I will, I will give it everything I have. I don't care if I progress one bit, I just persevere another day. I wish you could, I could tell you, you know, I got so easy and I got so encouraged by this that it was just, it, it was horrible. It was horrible. There were days I didn't even want to wake up. There's days I just cried out, can I take a vacation from myself? I just want to get away from myself. One day I had an appointment to go see a, a, a leg brace doctor at AFO and, um, and, and Lori was getting ready. We hadn't seen this guy. He fitted me for some leg braces on my legs to help me try to work, walk. And uh, I said, okay, Lori, help, help me. She's my, she's my caregiver. She was helping me get dressed and get ready. And she goes, hey, hey let's, let's, let's weigh you before we uh, take you to the, the brace doctor, which is not a good sign when your wife tells you that. Um, <laughs> I said, well, you know, I've eaten a few donuts. I know, that's why we're going to weigh you just to see. So we tried to get up on the scales. And, you know, I've got to climb up, like, you know, it's that high up. And I get up there, and I'm, I'm trying to let go of everything. This is my full weight. Will show, and and I, I, I lose my balance. And I'm falling down, and Lori's much smaller than me. And she's, she's grabbed a hold of me and trying to hold me up. And I'm wedged between the counter of the, of the bathroom and the floor and finally going down. And I'm starting to cry, and she's starting to cry, and I'm... Help get and and I we finally hit the ground and she's got 
you know, her arms around me trying to hold me up. And I, I just, I, I can't take it anymore. I quit. I quit. I, I can't do this anymore. Where, what I am right now is what I'm going to be. I'm going to go find my chair and I'm going to eat donuts. That's it. <laughs> and she goes, well, okay, you can do that, but we have an appointment this afternoon with the leg doctor and you can quit after that. I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'll go there, but I'm quitting after that. Okay. We get in the car, we drive to, to Portland, Oregon and go into the office and they, they wheel me up to the parallel bars and he has me stand up. He hadn't seen me since the hospital. He has me stand up and he goes, okay, walk from one end to the other. And, and I, with my leg braces on, I, I walk, hardly even holding on. I walk from one end to the other. And he starts screaming, oh my goodness, look at you. Holy cow, you're a superhero. You're a success story already. If you never get any better, I saw you when you're in the hospital. You should see yourself now. Can you believe what you just did? If you never get better, you're success. You're going to get even better than I've got a little therapy group that I meet with people like that. Would you come speak to them and give them encouragement? Because he's just going on and on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm bolstered up. I'm feeling good. And I'm like, and, and when I finally quit hugging and kissing them, I, I just said, thank you. Thank you. And he adjusted some stuff and he said, hey, see you in the next month. And go to, get back in the car. Lori says, you ready to go get your donuts? I said, no donuts for me. I got to get back to work. And back we went and back to the 5, 10, 15 repetition. Work, repetition, 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 repetition. Over that two-month period, I went from wheelchair uh, with Leg braces to, why my, my mind's gone blank. What do you call it? Walker, to the walker with leg braces, to two crutches with two braces, to one crutch with two braces, to one crutch with one brace, to a, a felt, sharp-looking brace on one leg and a cane. Got my Sunday morning cane with me right now. I've got a golf club cane that Brad Butler built for me that's my sporting cane for special occasions. Anybody that's cool wears, walks with a cane. Perseverance. Just plain perseverance. I love the quote by Calvin Coolidge that says, nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing's more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Press on. Press on not only from your own human persistence. Press on with the presence of Christ, the spirit in you that's pouring his love into you. And you just keep at it, and you keep at it, and you keep at it, and you keep at it. One day, my physical therapist came in the room. It was a a beautiful afternoon in Portland in the spring. There was actually, it doesn't happen very often in spring, it's what they call a blue sky. The sun was out. 
the blossoms were coming out of the trees, and she said, um, would you like to get out of the confines of this place? I said, yeah, absolutely. She goes, here's your therapy. You're going to have to wheel yourself, but we'll go for a walk. And so I'm wheeling my wheelchair, which is no easy task. It's therapy. And I'm, I'm wheeling this thing. And just let me tell you, there's no such thing as flat ground. If you're ever in a wheelchair, you'll find out there's no such thing as flat ground. And those little slopes and the sidewalks that are like handicapped accessible for you to curb, they're scary. It's like being on a ski jump looking down. It's horrible. And trying to get up them again. And, and so we're going and, and finally she goes, I'll, I'll take you up to a park. I said, I don't know if I can go uphill like that. She goes, I'll push you. So she's pushing me up to the park and she goes, you're a pastor, aren't you? And I say, yeah, I, yeah, I am. What, what did this do to your faith? What did this do to your belief in God? I, I never really thought about it before. I said, well, what do you mean? Do you think God gave up on you or abandoned you or was he mad at you? You still believe in God? You believe he's good? You still hang on to God? I said, oh, absolutely. I, I can't imagine doing this without him. I can't imagine going through something like this without him. And all of a sudden it started to hit me. This, this is a character issue. This is not just about my physical issue that I'm dealing with. It's not just about how am I going to do this or how much am I going to be able to do or how, how and what am I going to be able to accomplish. This is a question of who am I? And who is God in my life? And what am I all about with him? And all of a sudden, all the fluffy stuff of faith and belief gets narrowed down real quick to the very basics of character. And all of a sudden, you start to hear the voice of God in a way you've never heard him before as he starts to mold you and shape you, not on your outward stuff, but on your inward person, the inward spirit, the inward man in you, the inward woman in you, that he starts to mold and shape more like Christ. And I started to realize this is not about the immediate. This is about eternity. This is not about now. This is about the long run. This is not about my happiness. This is about my holiness. This is not about my pleasure. This is about my purpose. This is, this is going down to the very core of who I am and what I believe in. Am I really God's child? About that time, my son, who's a pastor, gave me a quote from N.T. Wright that I've written in my Bible and I keep with me. It says this, hope has to do not just with steady progress, but also with the belief that you are God's and that God has continuing plans for you. Not just progress, but that you are God. You, you belong to God. You're God's child. And he has continuing plans for you. And I got to thinking, you know what? This doesn't change anything with God. I'm still his. I belong to him. I'm his child. His calling is still on me. He still wants to use me. And his plans are gonna continue with me. How that gets fleshed out, how that gets worked out may be different, there's gonna be a new normal, but he still has something for me. And as long as there's breath in my air, air in my, in my lungs, I'm gonna follow after and chase after us in whatever condition that is, because he has plans for me and maybe he has something for me to do that would never happen if it didn't happen. And I'm just sticking with that. And when I 
caught a hold of that. It did something in my character. It came down to what really is important when it all is said and done. My identity in Christ. My identity comes from not what I do for him. My identity comes because of whose I am in him, in Christ. It's a character builder. And then... And then hope, hope just kind of starts to emanate. It starts to, to reside in, 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 in you, and, and, and it doesn't disappoint. And hope is so much different than hype. Hope is not positive thinking. Hope is more than the glass half empty or the glass half full. Hope is more than, well, this isn't so bad, and I think I can get through with it. Hope, hope is not just positive thinking. It's easy to say, ah, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. The hope that will not disappoint is, this is, I'm not kidding you, this is bad. This is life-changing bad. I can't do this. But he can. And he can do this through me. I can't, he can, and he can do this through me. I wake up every morning till this day. Lord, I can't. But you can. And you can do this through me. And the hope that comes is poured out in his love, in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit that he gave to us. I can't explain to you the mystery of Christ in me and Christ in you. I, I can't give you scientific evidence of what that is and what that's all about. I can't. I can't even get the theological words together enough to, to make you figure out what it is when his spirit indwells in you. I, it's, but this I know. Because of that, because of the mystery of Christ in us, I can't. But he can. And he can through me. And there's a hope that doesn't disappoint with him in our lives. In August... I was invited to help the teaching team here in the uh, transition time. It's been an honor and a joy. It's been so much fun. I've, I've just enjoyed getting to know you. And some of you I don't know, but I feel like I know just from seeing you on Sundays. That first August when we asked the question, is there hope? That was a question I think a lot of us were asking for Mountain Park. Is there hope? I mean, transition times are never easy. A change in leadership, questions and uncertainties and all these things swirling around. And you as a church entered suffering. Really. Suffering. Some trials and some turbulence. And you're wondering what's going on. It hurt a little bit. And some people... It was, it was too much. You know, they left. Don't want don't to get into that. Don't want to mess with that. Don't want to buy it. Right, wrong, or did? It, it's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I thought. The, the, the most of you, the bulk of you that are here today, you persevered. You kept at it. You show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Great worship team. 
usually a pretty good message, and then you have me every now and again. But you continue with the ministries of marriage Mondays continue, hope continues, the hope groups continue, the men's group, the women's group, community groups, they keep, they keep going, the missions, I mean, yeah, you got a big mission fair going on, these things just continue on and continue to persevere as tough as it gets, because all of a sudden, in that persevering, God is starting to do something in the character of this church that maybe he's never done before. Or at least he's putting it together for a foundation of a new season that, that who saw this coming? But there's, there's, there's this realization of Mountain Park that we belong to God. We are God's church. We are the body of Christ. And he has continuing plans for us. It doesn't change. He still has a mission. And he's going to use us. And he pulls us together. And he brings us together. And he prunes a little bit here. And he snips a little bit there. And he, he grafts a little bit there. And then all of a sudden he starts to do something that makes us even a more beautiful rendition of the body of Christ and I sat there on Easter Sunday, 7.30 a.m., in the back over there with my wife, and worship team pulls up this great song for the resurrection of Jesus. Anytime you put trumpets in it, I think Jesus is just going to show up. It's like, you know, I grew up on Tower of Power in Chicago, so I mean, that trumpet gets going. I'm, woo he's coming right now, Lori, he's coming right now. And then your pastor comes up and he talks about the resurrected Christ and this clear, clear gospel message. And I see hands going up of people accepting Jesus and texts that are coming in and saying yes to Christ. And, and there's renewing that's going on and this, this energy and this joy and people coming back and people from the, from the pandemic starting to trust again and come back. And, and, I, and I'm sitting there in the last song, it, it is what hit my heart. There's hope. There's hope for Mountain Park. There's hope. And hope has a name. It's Jesus. And this church belongs to him. And this church is about his mission. And this church is being put together as he brings you into place. And as he brings your pastor and his staff you start to recognize suffering leads to perseverance, leads to character, leads to hope. And hope does not disappoint. Love you guys. Blessings to you. I hope you'll do one of two things here as we close our service. Either go out to the ministry fair and find out, hey, I belong to God. Where do I fit in? Because he's got some plans for me. Or maybe you're here and you're in, in a pretty rough spot. We have prayer people that are here. And we'd love to pray with you. And we'd love to just simply ask God to fill your heart with the love of his spirit. That you know whether you're in suffering, perseverance. That he can move and move and move in your character. To bring you to the point of hope. The hope of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, what you do, and for who we are in you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Don. Yeah, let's stand to our feet, and we're going to honor Pastor Don and Laurie. If Laurie would come up. And 
And uh, we're going to take a moment to honor Pastor Don and Laurie, his wife, and in this season that uh, they have faithfully uh, served and loved on us as a church. Uh, and uh, Pastor Don, uh, my wife sends her love. She's watched online this morning and she said, our daughter's ill right now. And she watched online and said, wow, what a message. And, uh, you know, for my wife and I, we, we started interviewing seven months ago and we, we watched online and and Pastor Don's teaching just impacted us. And my wife's like, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> and, uh, and we got to come out here and she met him. And we, we just love Pastor Don and this glory. Uh, I believe in honor. I think honor is an important value that we need in the church. It's something we're losing in the world, honor and respect. And Pastor Don has, has mentored and led, even in the search process with, with, with the board of servant leaders, the pastoral search team. He was someone on the outside that was giving his wisdom and input. He was in interviews that I was in. And, uh, and the staff, meeting with the staff and, and then preaching consistently and and I just wanted this morning to make sure that we honor him. And uh, he's not going anywhere. I told him that. Uh, <laughs> after, yeah, after my uh, candidacy weekend and the first week, he said, I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here. I said, no, you're not. Well, you're going to sign a contract. We're going to lock you in. You're not going anywhere because we love you and, and God's just using you. And uh, Laurie, thank you so much for just... Uh, being here and just what a great story today, hearing your guy's story. And so we just thank you today. I want Pastor Jan to share as well. Uh, just uh, what's on your heart? Yeah, Don, just a gift for you and Lori to spend some time together and enjoy one another. And I think that today is a beautiful example of why we love you so much and why we're so grateful that when you come, not only do you share God's word with us, you share your life with us and you share your heart with us and you love us every time you come on Sunday. And not only do you love us corporately, but I know for me personally, and many of you here, you have personally shepherded us and loved us. In Second um, Timothy 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And it's easy to focus on the first part of that verse, but it's that last part that really struck me, with great patience and careful instruction that in all your personal shepherding of me and of us as a church, you have done so with great patience and careful instruction. So thank you. Man, we love you. Come on, you can do better. Put your hands together. 